0: Welcome to the SLP Stress Management Podcast, your place to manage stress, reduce the risk of burnout, and find more balance in your life as an SLP, as a helping professional, maybe just as a human being. I'm your host, Jesse Andrix, and today I am going to share with you a few things I learned in yoga teacher training that surprised surprisingly, helped me as an SLP, and I want to give you a little, little preview here. These are probably not the things you think they're going to be. So when I was in my second year as an SLP, three really big things happened in my career and kind of in my life. I finished my CF, finally in my second year, right? Not in my first year as it normally takes, but in my second year. That's a story for another day. I also started yoga teacher training, which was one of the best decisions I had ever made. Also, I was laid off due to budget cuts from my SLP job, and I honestly didn't even know that that was something that I would ever have to worry about as an SLP. I thought that there would always be job security and this just completely threw me. It was such a mix of joy and hardship and not knowing what I was going to do and really what I wanted to do anymore. And it absolutely sent me into some burnout and chronic stress in the years to follow. On the SLP side, I ended up going from a hospital setting with inpatient and outpatient adults to working in the schools with all ages, and I mean all. Within a year, I worked in pre-K and preschool, like coming in private and working with the school, all the way through high school aged. So hitting pretty much everything you could work with in the school system. I had been the solo SLP, aside from like my supervisor and manager when I worked in the hospitals, and now I was one of three SLPs in my primary school, and I felt like I was the only one who was faking it, floundering, and not as into it as they were. I had a tough caseload that I was taking over. It wasn't impossible, but it was not what I was prepared for the schedule was set up by someone else because I was taking over for someone else and was not compatible for my needs or for my lifestyle. And I hadn't really shifted into school mode yet. And a part of me really wanted to teach yoga more, which at the time and where I lived was not exactly something that was mainstream or talked about and definitely not put into practice as an SLP. I ended up leaving a little over a year later for five years. During this time, I taught yoga and mind-body fitness, and I helped run yoga studios where I lived, and I absolutely used my yoga teacher training to teach yoga every single day, obviously, right? But it was when I came back to being an SLP that I realized I could use it there as well. There were a few things I learned while training to teach yoga that helped me to be, in my opinion, a better SLP, or at least feel better about how I was working as an SLP. And I'll tell you, they had absolutely nothing to do with incorporating yoga poses, with taking time to meditate, or even really with bringing mindfulness into my sessions. So here are five things I learned in yoga training that surprisingly helped me as an SLP. Alright the first thing I learned is that you can't look at someone's face and tell if they are enjoying or getting anything out of the experience or the class or the session. When I was going through yoga teacher training or YTT, one of the things that the current teachers would share over and over again was that you can't look at someone and know what they're thinking or feeling during the class by the look on their face. They might be smiling and seeming to enjoy it, but internally they are cursing at you. Or they're thinking, why did I bother coming today? This is the worst class I've ever taken. I do not vibe with this teacher. Or they might be scowling, frowning at you, but only because they are working through something or they are concentrating and they are fully soaking up and enjoying the experience. So I heard this and I thought I was prepared for it, but then I really, really learned this firsthand in my very first class that I taught a woman in the front row had this look of just absolute disgust on her face the most for most of the class just this look that i thought was what are you even doing teaching this class or what is this sequence what are we doing and i thought oh bleep maybe i'm not very good at teaching this thing yet and then after class, she came up to me as I was like internally like kind of panicking <laughs> and let me know that she not only enjoyed the, very, the class very much, but that she was surprised to find out that I was a new teacher and she let me know it was one of the best classes she had ever taken. It helped me realize, really realize, what was working as a yoga teacher and where my strengths landed so that I could continue to grow in that space. The same goes for being an SLP. Your student or patient might look bored or annoyed during the session or even like they're checked out, but this by no means is a reflection of what they're really thinking or feeling. They might be concentrating, thinking about how they're going to use this in class or outside of the clinic, or they might be trying to figure out what you just told them to do, trying to process it, or trying to figure out what the next step in the task might be. So instead of judging yourself and your work, you could talk to them about the experience after if they're open to it. So you can both give feedback and shape things from there. The second thing I learned is to know what you're teaching, like what class maybe, and look at who walks in the door as they show up. As a yoga teacher, you have to know what type of class you're teaching, whether it's hot or not, whether it's a fast pace or slow pace, whether it's level one or level two. And you also have to have some sort of idea like what to do in that type of class. But you also have to see who shows up for the class on that day and what their needs and abilities might be. Especially if you teach in like a community center or a gym rather than a specific style studio where like the people coming in are coming in for that very specific thing. It might be labeled as a more advanced class that day, but if that's the only yoga class that's on the schedule for that day or at that time, and the students are not advanced or they walk in and are exhausted and tired more than usual, then you're going to have to tailor it to them a little bit and what they need for that day. That's how you get the most out of it. And this is what happens when you work with humans having a human experience. So the same is true for speech therapy. You can plan a little, and you should. Plan a little. Know the goals for who you're seeing, but also see how they are when they show up. You might have to make some adjustments or maybe grab a different or new resource to use if they're tired that day, if they are energized beyond measure, or maybe they're hungry or grumpy or being human in some way. Having this flexibility, no yoga pun intended there, will take you far and help them more in the long run. Number three, and this is one of my favorite things, and I use this all the time still as a yoga teacher and definitely as an SLP, having a Rolodex, and that is in quotes, a Rolodex of poses or resources is a better strategy than planning it all out exactly. So here is a secret. I do not plan yoga classes. I do study what I need to know if I'm teaching like a new format and know like what it's going to be and maybe at first I do have to kind of map out what I'm doing but pretty much I did not plan a single yoga class for years and I rarely do now. There were no lesson plans or sequences after those first few classes I taught and I I had no lesson there were never any like full-blown lesson plans. I never felt lost though, or stuck, or like I wasn't giving it all or that my students would leave with less because of it. I actually felt much more present and in tune because once I knew the class style and practice or planned a class or two, I relied on the advice from one of the yoga teachers from my training. Instead of planning out precisely think about having a Rolodex on file of how it all goes together. So, um, you know, if you're not familiar with the Rolodex, cause I don't even know if anybody uses them anymore. Back in the day, this was that like file that you could keep and, and it kind of was like circular, but you could like flip through it and find phone numbers for people because we didn't have cell phones back in the day. Um, And so if you were like in a business or, or, you know, needed networking and connections, you would have in this Rolodex there, not only this person, you know, listed by groups or alphabetically, but you'd also have some, you know, things on there about like connections, who they were connected to or who they worked for or where they lived, but something about it that could take you to the next step or the next person or the next thing. So this Rolodex was like a file to flip through in your mind where you could pull out a pose and then see who it was connected to. What other poses could you link to it and how could you build from there naturally and often in the middle of teaching a class? So it meant like really and truly understanding how these things work together rather than just like what you wrote down on the sequence on your paper. And it helped to make adjustments for who was in the class that day. And in reality, it looked like knowing the style of the class, so how the format flowed, and then choosing a pose to work to, or to try, or an area to focus on, and then building around it as you went. As an SLP, this is the most helpful advice I was ever, ever given. It saved me from overplanning and prepping and feeling stressed to do more. And because the overplanning does not come naturally to me, it helped me loosen the guilt around not spending hours before and after work plotting out each day and creating lesson plans for it. What it gave me was the insights to look more at what I was working on, what that goal was really for and how to find a way to use it, no matter what materials I had at hand, no matter what I pulled off the shelf or website or what that student requested to use that day. It brought humanity back to it. The fourth thing I learned is that something is better than nothing. Or you could think of it as like any bit counts for something. So it doesn't have to be all or nothing each and every time. There were so many times that I wanted to share so many poses to like hit every part of the sequence exactly or every part of the body, get the hips, twists, folds, standing stuff, seated stuff, core, backbends, shavasana, and it just didn't happen. And it might have been time management for sure at times with, with myself, but It could have also been that the students needed to linger in a pose longer than I had planned and it was okay. The students still got a lot from it and maybe got what they needed, which was better than hitting every piece exactly or making sure that every single part of the sequence was there. While it is important to try and get as much as you can and to work towards the goals you have in front of you for your students, there are times when it's just not going to happen. Again, it's part of working with humans. You have plans and they are living creatures and they might not always match up. So even if you end up spending the sessions talking together or laughing or not focusing on the specific activity you had planned, it is okay. It is worth it. Because that day, you might be the only kind person they run into or the only time they feel they can talk or share or try to communicate safely, or the only moment they laugh, or you might be the only person who smiles at them. And this is huge. It is so important and it does absolutely make a difference towards helping them to improve their well-being which is the ultimate goal. And number five, this is also one that I use and remind myself of all the time as a yoga teacher and as an SLP. No one will know if you make a mistake or if it doesn't go as planned. I still have dreams, and let's be real, nightmares, sometimes that I get up in front of the class to teach, and I totally forget what to do, and I spend the hour trying to remember until the time runs out, and then they've just been standing there talking, never doing anything, never doing the class, because I've been trying to figure out what to do the whole time. It's super fun. It's a very relaxing way to sleep. But when it comes down to it, there are plenty of times where I have forgotten the next pose or not taught the pose I meant to in that moment or accidentally changed the sequence and like left out an entire chunk of it. And a funny thing happens. No one notices or cares. And sometimes it works out better than what I had in mind anyway. What I learned in yoga training was this. You can plan not too much. And if you change it or make a mistake, no one knows. Because you are the only one who knows the plan. If it changes, the students don't know. There is no mistake made to them. In their eyes, this is exactly what you had planned. So I learned to just go with it. As an SLP, this is hard to do because perfectionism is strong in our field and judging and critiquing yourself is commonplace. But if you have an activity or you're trying to work on something and you accidentally like do it quote unquote wrong, no one knows. It is okay that you shifted your plan by mistake. Your students and patients will experience it as what you meant to do that day. And they most likely won't notice. And here's the best part, they will still get something out of it simply because they are there with you, an SLP, doing speech therapy. Mistakes happen, it's okay to do, and you can usually learn something or maybe even find a new therapy tool along the way. While I did also learn some cool yoga tricks and tools to use in sessions, and some ways to be more mindful as a practitioner of yoga and an SLP, these are the big things that I learned that helped me to grow, to be more comfortable, and to start to enjoy being an SLP. And truthfully, they are what helped me feel most connected to my work and, more importantly, to who I was working with. So which one of these surprised you the most? I'd love to hear which one it was and how you might try and use some of these in your SLP sessions. You can send me an email, leave a comment below, or share it on Instagram. Send me a direct message at jessieandrix. Or again, you can email jessie at jessieandrix.com and let me know. Thank you so much for tuning in today with love and light. Thank you for being here. Hey, it's Jesse here and I have a question for you. Would you like to stop micromanaging your stress and feeling like you have to avoid and control it and instead build some resilience to it? If so, I hope you will join me and check out the monthly workshop series, The Resilient SLP. Each month we dive into a topic that helps you to learn a little bit more about truly managing stress, but also about building resilience around the stress that you face. Because let's face it, stress is not going anywhere. And there will always be some kind of stress in your life, in your work, and in this field. So if we could build some resilience to it, then you will have the tools you need to not get weighed down and stuck when that stress hits. You can check out more below and send me any questions you have, and I cannot wait to see you in this workshop series.